Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 129 of Gun Freedom Radio. How much better would that be if we could say number three, hour number three, and hour number four? Okay, you need to stop it right now, mister. <laughs> okay, I'll go back to my corner. Get back under that mute button. No, it would be wonderful to expand to three hours, but uh, then I would need a staff. But uh, I'm okay with that. Well, let's we can go. do that. We'll just keep it where it is. All right. Well, uh, we are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And today our theme is <clears throat> Lessons Learned. So we just went to a conference in Chicago, of all places, for the AMCON and the Gun Rights Policy Conference where uh, the Second Amendment Foundation hosted 500 people in the audience. So we came together, and, you know, the rights restrictors, they hate it when we do that, especially in a town like Chicago, where many of the citizens are mostly separated from their human and their civil rights in the ways that they are. And what I came away with was that we have to keep one eye on the past and one eye on the future in order to not be sucked into the hysteria of the rights restrictors and to be encouraged by the people who fill our tanks and lift our spirits. The rights restrictors desperately want us to buy into this notion that our cause for freedom is failing. If we were failing, the rights restrictors would be calm and quiet. Ask yourself, do they seem calm to you? All is not quiet on the restrictors front. So, Fellow patriot, be encouraged. Watch the craziness of the news with a sense of fulfillment that we are, indeed, making the enemies of freedom and independence a very, very nervous. Keep talking, keep sharing, keep meeting with people who fill your spirit in large groups and small. Because through pure stubbornness and hard-headedness, if nothing else, of those of us who will not be cowed or silenced, we will pass along all of our hard-won American values and lessons learned. Well, waiting in the wings, we have our next guest, the awesome Miss Jan Wolbrecht. She is the creator and founder of Incognito Wear IX fashionable and functional concealed carry clothing incognito wear ix makes it possible for everyday people like you and i to hide in plain sight their tagline is never be a victim because of style be gun chic well welcome to the show miss jan well thank you cheryl it's a pleasure to speak with you absolutely so i was super blessed super lucky to have gotten to not only see what you make, but actually wear what you make <laughs> at the Concealed Carry Fashion Show that was held at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. 
And I want you to help people. I want you to describe it to people and help them understand through the creator's eyes uh, what it is. But I will tell you, it was a blouse that was super soft, super comfortable, can be dressed up or dressed down. And I'm telling you, the blue gun that I was carrying was massive. I mean, it was a huge gun. And it concealed beautifully. And bonus, I got to wear it with my signature polka dot capri pants. So, <laughs> so tell us and about this. And you look fabulous. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, that is so nice to hear such kind words. And that's really at the heart of what I created or tried to create. Um, this came out of my own need as I started my concealed carry journey and trying to get over that huge fear that everybody could see I was trying to hide a gun under my right, clothes. Right, yeah. And everything that I saw was tactical, and that just wasn't practical in my eyes for everyday life. And I figured if this was an issue for me, surely I'm not the only one that, that has struggled with this. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to make it easy to get women to carry on body. And um, for my comfort level, having a style of clothing that would help camouflage, that would prevent printing as much as possible, was a goal. Um, Women often say that we have nothing to wear. (laughs) And I stood in front of my closet and said, I truly have nothing to dress around this firearm that I want uh, Mm -hmm. to keep on my body to protect myself. So it was, it was a selfish need, but I quickly realized um, I could help a lot of women, and that's, that's my goal is to make it easy to carry on body um, and be able to get to it quickly. Well, uh, uh, you've achieved your goal, at least as far as this blouse that I wore. Um, I, I can't remember the exact name of it, so I'll let you say it so I don't screw it up. But it was, it was crossed in the front, very blousey. Right, it's that sur- surplice, I think, and then it had an underneath tank top uh, with the concealed carry slits in the side, so you could uh, hold your your firearm in your waistband, of course, holstered, and something like a sticky holster or Kydex holster, something like that. Um, and it was just—I mean, I'll wear it even if I wasn't uh, gonna conceal carry. So, what what's that blouse called? So that style is called the Lion and the Lamb. And it is a two-piece garment, and I I did design it um, with multiple uses in mind. Um, It's ideal for a cross-body draw Mm -hmm. um, with one hand and to work with your own holster. So everybody is a different size, likes to carry different type of holsters. So that was one problem um, I set out to solve was to make it universal as possible that it's going to fit everybody's gun. So mm-hmm. you already have the right holster for your firearm. So it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was um, a two piece. And then the sleeve, the three quarter length sleeve is what's in the fashion world, a dolman sleeve. So if you were to swap out that basic matching tank top or let's say a shirt holster that you happen to already have you can easily carry under the arm with that lion with excuse me the lamb outer wrap Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So it was created and designed to camouflage underarm holstering as well. Oh, very cool. So you get two two looks for one. So the the lamb is the outerwear that just looks all, you know, she's just dressed beautifully, that's all. And then the lion is the under the underneath tank. Is that is that why you've named it that? Yes, exactly. That's awesome. I also uh, was looking on your website, which tell folks what the name of your website is, and I saw that you even have a concealed carry dress. That I have a concealed carry what? Dress. I do, yes. Um, when I started my journey, like so many people, I had no clue. Um, and I was in a group, and I listened to women talk about it and realized that there are times when you need to be quite professional and you need a dress, but how do you get to the gun mm-hmm. in a dress? Mm-hmm. So I did design two dresses that allow you to carry at your waist. Um, the tulip dress has three positions available, so strong side, weak side, and then also kidney. So if you were sitting at a desk, you could easily... Um, you know, get to your firearm and be comfortable, not have it pressing on any veins that make it hard to sit all day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so your website, because I know people right now are like, okay, tell me how I can see these with my own eyes, is incognitowearix.com. And it's also important to note that your products are not shipped over from over there somewhere. They're made in America. Yes. Um, And they are a specialty garment. There is not anything that I have found available for casual wear that is designed specifically for concealed carry and using your own holster mechanism. Um, And it was really important to have something that's made in America. And the fabric of the lion and lamb is domestic fabric as well. Absolutely. And why is that so important to you? Uh, And I see you also offer a discount to military. I do. Um, I'm a patriot. My father was in World War II, um, and it was after that fact that I came into the world. But understanding and appreciating the value that I learned from him as the greatest generation. Um, I have two sons that are in the Marines. I spent um, the first part of my adult life raising my children in a military setting and love this country, love what our military, our first responders do, and I want to extend that um, and make it easy for people to carry. So, the you know, what I can do is give a, a everyday discount. 10% for military, our law officers. I think this is a great top if you uh, happen to be in the, the PI world um, or undercover. Mm-hmm. And the code is PATRIOT. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, we're almost out of time, but I want people to know how do they follow your work and how do they find you at these things you're calling a shooting shop event? So I am getting in touch with the local ranges to sh- set up a trunk shop, a, blah, <laughs> a trunk show. <laughs> Easy for you um, to say. <laughs> right. 
um, to showcase the clothing and accessories because women want to be beautiful no matter what we're carrying. Um, they can reach me at jan at incognitowearix.com or by phone, which is 678-96-ARMS. All right. And that happens to be 678-962-7633. Fantastic. And, of course, your website is incognitowearix.com. And all of our guests have a guest page, which uh, is easy to get to at gunfreedomradio.com. Click the guest tab, and you'll see pictures of Jan and a bio and links to all of her work. And, Miss Jan, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for taking a need that you personally had and realizing that if you have that need, there's a whole bunch of us out here that have the, the same need. Um, and just please continue to do what you do. American-made products, I, I just can't say enough about it. Um, thank you so much for, for being on with us today. Thank you so much, Cheryl. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. All right, Miss Jan Wolbricht. Well, we've got to run to commercial, and then we are coming back with Logan Matesh. He's a historian and writer who runs High Caliber History, and he's going to be hosting a roundtable discussion soon titled The Most Interesting Man in the Gun World. I am very intrigued. Stick around. We'll find out more about that right after this. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Thank you. 
Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are excited to bring back our friend, Logan Matesh, to the show. He's a historian and writer who runs High Caliber History, LLC, and has worked for museums with the NRA, the Smithsonian Institute, and the National Park Service. He is a frequent guest on NRA TV, Mysteries at the Museum, Gun Stories with Joe Montaigne, the NRA Gun Gurus, and American Rifleman TV. Holy cow, you're a busy guy. Logan, thank you for finding the time to come and chat with us today. Are you with us? I am with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you have a roundtable discussion coming up, and I want you to tell folks where it is, when it is, but I love the name. I'm super intrigued. The most interesting man <laughs> in the gun world. So yeah. t- tell us, like, who is this person and uh, what do you plan to discuss? When's it going to happen? Just dive in. Sure. So uh, it's going to be hosted by the Shenandoah Valley Battlefields Foundation Civil War Roundtable. Uh, their website is shenandoahatward.com. Uh, The talks are bi-monthly, and they're held at the museum in downtown Winchester, Virginia. And so this month, well, wow, this is September. So technically next month, Mm -hmm. uh, next week, we're going to be in October already. Gosh, can you believe that? No, and stop rushing me, okay? The stores already have Christmas stuff up. I'm telling you. So it'll be next Thursday, October 4th at 7 p.m., Uh, in the museum in downtown Winchester. It's free to attend. Uh, And the most interesting man in the gun world uh, is a man by the name of James Henry Burton. And Burton truly did it all. Uh, He was an employee at both of the federal arsenals, both Springfield and Harper's Ferry. He eventually ended up in control of all of the Confederate arsenals during the Civil War. Oh, wow. Uh, He ended up working for both the British government and the Russian government Hmm. uh, after the war. And then he also spent time uh, working on arms development and arms machinery development to actually make the guns and ammunition development. He's uh, he actually played an active role in helping to finalize the design for the mini ball which, of course, gains uh, fame and, and notoriety in the Civil War. So he, he was a very busy guy, uh, always uh, running and gunning, uh, no pun intended, and from <laughs> one place to another. And he just he always found himself in the right place at the right time on the cutting edge of all sorts of different technologies. Well, it is shocking to me that this man's name is brand new to me. I mean, w- what is that all about? Was he was he just kind of that good at, at playing everything right safely in the middle so that he could be in, you know, a part of so many different things? Um, I don't know. I almost feel like I, I need to put my pinky up by my mouth and, and, you know, say something, you know, spy-like and villainous. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it is probably from the fact that because he was doing so much, uh, he wasn't necessarily always in the same place for very long. 
Um, so he, he bounced around, you know, at the different arsenals and then all throughout the South during the Civil War. And uh, then, of course, he spends time uh, working at the Enfield factory over in England. Uh, before then, he'd spent time working for the Ames Company in Massachusetts, helping to create gun machinery that he then ended up helping install over at Enfield uh, in England. Um, and he just he just kind of did a little bit of everything but flew under the radar because when he finally uh, decided to take a breather and a much-needed retirement, mm -hmm. he came back to Winchester, Virginia, and he bought a farm, and he lived out the rest of his days here, and he's buried here in Winchester, Virginia, and it's a very nondescript headstone, just, you know, his name and his, his life date doesn't mention anything about his tremendous accomplishments in the firearms world. Um, and I think that's probably why he goes unnoticed. He, he spent his whole life and death uh, flying under the radar. And how are you aware of him? Um, I mean, you are a historian. You're brilliant yeah. at what you do. You're extremely well-read and well-versed. But you're a relatively you. young guy. Like, I don't know if you, if you fit in that millennial age group or not, but if not, pretty dang close. And... You know, how how did you discover this man and all of his, uh, you know, intriguing sounding uh, exploits? Sure. Yeah. Well, I uh, to, to touch on the millennial thing. Yeah, I, I think I do fall in the millennial thing. I'll be 30 later this <laughs> you year. You don't sound thrilled believe, with that. But... <laughs> <laughs> not the millennial part. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I guess not the 30 part either. That, <laughs> that'll be a big change for me. But, um, you know, I, I live in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just a, a stone's throw away from the Harper's Ferry Arsenal. It's uh, now a National Park Service site. And, uh, and I've also had, had a chance to visit the Springfield Armory, which is also a Park Service site up in Massachusetts. And I've got some friends there. And so I, I kept seeing this name coming up uh, and, and this recurring uh, common thread through all these places up in New England and, and then here in Virginia and then overseas and talking with museum contacts over there. And I just started delving into it and thought to myself, my goodness, how has this man flown under the radar for such a long time? Uh, but he has. And so uh, that's why I was very excited to have the opportunity to give this talk um, and, and help let some more folks know about it. And so uh, in addition to telling folks about them uh, at the talk, I'm very appreciative to have the opportunity to talk to folks about them here on Gun Freedom Radio and, and for other folks who are interested as well uh, and still like to read. Uh, he's also <laughs> going to be the subject of an upcoming article in Guns of the Old West magazine published by Athlon Outdoors. I've, uh, I've got that coming out here in the next few months. So, um, so Burton's name's going to be big here for a while. <laughs> I love it, Logan. This is Dan. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, Dan. Hi. You know, you, you'd say you're a millennial, and you know all the kids in school. Most of them probably didn't like guns, or didn't talk about guns much. How did you get involved in guns? So uh, when I was ten years old, for my tenth birthday, uh, my grandfather. Uh, he's German. I call him Opa. My Opa got me my first gun. It was a little, uh, it's a Marlin, a little buckaroo, 
single shot bolt action 22 uh-huh. uh and that's that's what got me into it i would go with him uh, to his monthly three gun action shoots and i'd wait till all the guys were done shooting and uh, bring out a, a brick at 22 and try to make it through 500 rounds you know wow. uh, which is no small feat with a single shot bolt action rifle uh, that's yeah. right it's a lot of work it is it is a lot of work um but so so that's where the the love of firearms came from was was from my grandfather and then as i got older uh, he and i would go out and, and play uh, skeet and, and trap shooting uh, and much to his chagrin i i'm i much prefer trap over skeet maybe uh maybe that's because i'm lazy but um <laughs> but i definitely like trap a lot better and so we would go do that as well and um and it just kind of went from there. And then with my professional life, uh, being a museum guy, you know, I've just managed to combine the history and the firearms together to, to be very fortunate to do what I love and, and love what I do. Well, you do a great job with it. Uh, you have a lot of interesting stories. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you have actually helped us out uh, several times now. Uh, we have not only our gun shop, AZ Firearms, but we also have... <laughs> our auction house, Pot of Gold Estate Auctions. And uh, you were on there perusing, looking at the guns that we were selling on the auction site, and you were like, um, so here's this lot number. You you kind of have the description not quite right. Here's a few more details. And I just thought, you know what? That was a tremendous thing. You did not need to take your time and help us to better describe something uh, so that our, our bidding audience um, is better served uh, and, and our consigner. And I, I just really appreciate that. Well, it, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to do it. And, you know, as the old saying goes, what are friends for? Yes. Um, and and I'm, I'm proud to call you and Dan friends. But, you know, the flip side to that is that there's also a little bit of selfishness in that uh, because I got to learn something, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to I got to crack open some books on the shelf and start looking up some folks and, and letting my fingers do the walking. Um, so I learned something, too. And that's uh, so everybody benefited. Like you said, you guys, the consigner, the bidders, me, um, you know, rising tide raises all ships or something like that. However, that saying goes. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Well, Logan, you know, I've been. Uh... You know, I kind of oversee everything that happens in the auction house. I'm not the manager, but I, on the gun side of it, I look at all the guns. And there's so many that come in, and I want to learn about every one of them, but I have to be selective. I have to be really quick and go to the next, to the next. Yeah. That's the part I hate about my job. I wish I could just hug them and research every <laughs> one of them. I'm telling you, but you know, if you if you drool on them too much, you'll ruin the finish. I know. So you got to be a- careful with it, you know? True story. Hey, Logan, will you stick around with us? We're going to run to break, but I still have so much I want to chat with you about. Do you have the time? Absolutely. Fantastic. All right, stick around. We have much more to come with Logan Matesh, a historian and writer who runs High Caliber History, LLC, right after these messages. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, 
military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we have been chatting with our friend Logan Matesh, who's a historian and writer who runs High Caliber History, LLC, and he's such an interesting guy. I mean, when you're a historian, I don't know, it, for me, and maybe, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but when I think of a historian, I, you know, I think of like a, you know, a, a librarian who's, you know, been around forever, a long time, and just, you know, has, uh, you know, years and years and years, decades and decades. And here's Logan, just about to turn the big 3-0, 30, and he has all the the knowledge and the benefits of that that visual that I, I just put out there. But what's exciting to me, Logan, is that you are so far ahead of that curve and you've got, you know, the rest of your life to just continue to expand on that. And just like you just came up with uh, this James Henry Burton, a name I'd never heard before, and you're going to do a roundtable and a, a magazine article uh, and you're going to call it the most intrigued. Oh, no, what is it? The most interesting man in the gun world. And yeah. I mean, I'm just excited um, for that journey. And you have you have kids, right? No, I do not. Not it's, yet. Uh, my, my, my wife and I and a dog. Uh, <laughs> until very recently, we had horses, but uh, it's just us and the dog now. So. Okay, well then maybe I uh, maybe I just foretold the future. But what I'm thinking <laughs> is, you know, that you would be able to, and and you are through the rest of us. So whether you have kids or not, you are passing that legacy forward. Um, and how much more exciting if you have nieces or nephews or you know children in the future to do that. But you just uh, recently had a big career change. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so hard to believe that at the ripe old age of 29, I've been in the museum <laughs> field for a decade now. Whoa, holy cow. Uh, 
Yeah, I've I've been very fortunate to to always have a, a job in a museum and, and do what I love. And so uh, after after a decade in the museum field working, like you said at the beginning, for the Smithsonian and the Park Service and the National Rifle Association, um, it, it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, but over the past three years or so, I've been doing different freelance writing projects and some lecturing. And so I've, I've been working with a couple different large publishing companies, almost a dozen magazines, half a dozen online outlets, um, and I'm, I'm branching out doing more writing, more lectures and talks, and museum consultation. I was meeting uh, with uh, some museum folks this morning, uh, but I have officially gone out on my own. Uh, High-caliber high history is no longer just a side project. I'm I'm very excited and terrified all at the same time that <laughs> I get that, that high caliber history is now a, a full time job. Wow! Um, very exciting though. Well, <laughs> congratulations that, yes, for that. That is Thank exciting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and you know we've been self employed our whole lives, uh, so we a hundred percent get that blend that mixture of excitement and terror. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll never yes. leave you. So just know oh, that well, going comforting. in. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, but if you don't do it, then it's never going to be done. I mean, we've that's always right. been able to just, oh, let's just do it and just do it. So that's that's great. So I wanted to ask yep. you, you know, we keep harping on your age, and I, I hate to do that. But for me, it's 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 exciting, and it's encouraging to me that our, our future is in good hands. You're the exact same age as our daughter. She just turned 29. And there's been times in her life, especially because she works in the firearms world and in the auction world and that sort of thing, where her age has been maybe not a hindrance, but people would possibly look at her and and try to look over her shoulder to see, well, where's mom and dad, right? (laughs) Where Mm -hmm. where are the people who really know what's going on here? When, in fact, you know, I would have to ask her what's going on here because she's she knows her job. She's earned her job, and I know you have too. And I just wonder if your age has ever been a, a hindrance or a, a topic of conversation as you're working in these these very high level um, uh, museums and organizations. Yeah, it uh, it it's been a, a factor uh, at times uh, throughout my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were there were times working for the park service you know i was i was in college and and people not necessarily wanting to to take it seriously and Mm -hmm. you know until i open my mouth and start talking yes Uh, and and we have that intellectual exchange and the the same thing with the smithsonian they said where do you work and i would tell them and they said oh but you're so young Mm -hmm. you know i'm like well but it's my passion and then with the nra now it was great Working there, um, my my colleagues there, they were purposely wanting to bring in younger folks. So my, myself and the registrar, we both started on the exact same day a number of years ago and were the exact same age. And so they were bringing in young folks there. But So where I really noticed it, though, in the firearm aspect of the museum world is at different gun shows and in, and in gun shops. And, you know, you, you walk up to the table and... A lot of the gun guys, they don't, uh, they don't really want to give you the time of day. You know, you're just right. some some young snot-nosed kid in, in their minds, <laughs> right. uh, and and they really, you know, don't want to don't want to engage because they figure it's probably a waste of their time until I walk over to your table and go, hey, is that a Spiller and Burr from the Confederate arsenal down in such and such? And oh, like, oh dr- goodness, you know, dropping truth bombs. 
Especially when they don't even know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it was great because, and I mentioned that example specifically because at the the Baltimore Antique Arms show uh, every year, it's a big one, uh, was there in in March. I happened to be walking by a table and I was like, oh my goodness, that's a Spiller and Burr. I know that that frame anywhere. Mm -hmm. And and so the guy was more than happy to to pull it out of his case there and, and let me take a look at it and and just as I was finishing up drooling on that one, I, I looked, I'm like, my goodness, is that a Leech and Rigdon, and, which is another Confederate piece? And uh, he's like, yes, it is. How do you know what that is? And, you know, and so despite the fact that those two guns cost more than what I make in a year. Yes. Uh, and, and I was clearly not someone who had the money to purchase those guns. Mm-hmm. He was more than happy to pull them both out of the case. Uh, let me ogle them and fondle them and take pictures of them. And we just talked back and forth and, and had that free flow of, of knowledge uh, that you might not otherwise have if you don't give people a chance. Absolutely. So um, I, I still have like two big burning questions for you. One is, uh, what limitations are inherent? I mean, you, you're talking about limitations that your age has kind of created. What limitations are inherent in trying to retain the history of firearms in museums? Because, you know, it's not like having Lincoln's chair. Okay, so it's a piece of furniture. There's no federal regulations involved, right? There's no political right. stigma attached. There's there's all sure. these different things. Um so you've had two big hurdles in your way, the, the age thing, and then this whole political realm uh, and federally regulated realm of firearms. What, how are you navigating those waters with the, the museums that you've worked with? Very carefully. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, it makes you uh, somewhat of a legal historian as well. Uh, in that, you know, obviously you've got to keep current with all of the, the modern federal laws, but uh, you, you've also got to navigate the waters of the historic laws, which help you understand why we've gotten to where we're at. And so, you know, trying to, to understand the Gun Control Act of 1968, uh, and the, uh, the National Firearms Act in 1934, and all sorts of stuff. So uh, the legal stuff is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, the very fact that you want to display firearms in a museum, you know, that's controversial as well because by and large the museum field as a whole is a very liberal uh, Politically speaking, yeah. Yes, Uh, and most of the employees of museums are very liberal and and there's uh, there is an agenda at times that, that gets pushed and um, it, sometimes you just have to push back just as hard as they're pushing on you. Um, and then, of course, you know, museum collections are generally, you know, they're normally worth a sizable chunk of change. Hmm. Uh, and so, in fact, I was speaking with a client today and they were concerned because uh, they were trying to renew their insurance policy on the museum collection and they were having a hard time finding a company that would insure the firearms Mm. in their museum and it was twofold part of it was the political aspect of it because it's guns Mm -hmm. and the second aspect of it was because historic arms are such a hot commodity right now Mm -hmm. Uh, and the market just keeps going up and up and up and up and up on these things and i know you guys know that with your auctions as well and so uh, it's 
it's a difficult thing to insure mm-hmm. uh, from that standpoint. And so they were having a hard time navigating those waters. Mm. Um, but it's it's just an inherent thing. You know, it, it comes with the territory. Logan, you brought something up. You said the uh, historic firearms are really starting to go up and up and up. Well, they have been for quite a while, but what do you think of the future is? I mean, what I'm seeing is a lot of the rare stuff is walking into our door, but the the younger generation doesn't collect like that. And I'm afraid that we're going to see a time when, oh, who cares that that was a bring back from Vietnam or World War II? Right. Well, I, I think the problem we face in a lot of that, uh, and, and I also think it's cyclical, uh, but the problem we face is uh, age and money. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, gun collectors as a whole are older. They're approaching retirement or they are retirement age. Uh, if they've been smart with their time uh, and investment, then they have the money and the disposable income to buy the really nice antique arms mm-hmm. uh, that you know most people at 25 to 45 might not necessarily have the ability to afford mm-hmm. um, but what I have learned from from working in this world is that that seems to be a cyclical thing you know uh, the the people that I talk to that are today's older gun guys they said they saw the same things when they were you know 25 and, and 30 years old and so um, I, I think the, the financial aspect of it is cyclical. It'll come around uh, despite the fact that millennials are facing crippling student loan debt. Mm. Um, we, we will make our way out of it one way or the other, and, and God willing, we'll buy a bunch of historic guns. But mm-hmm. uh, the type of arms that are being bought, I think, are going to be very different. Um, you know, it, it may be uncomfortable for some folks to acknowledge uh, but time marches on, and the earliest Eugene Stoner-designed AR platform rifles are more than 50 years old. They are CNR, Curio, and Relic eligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's changing your collector's mindset. You know, you're, when you you used to think of CNR, you might be thinking of of a Smith & Wesson Victory model, which, of course, is still CNR. But uh, some people, I think, have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that some of the AR platform firearms are CNR eligible. Right. And it's it's a whole new type of antique. You know, we're mm-hmm. not just talking about Kentucky rifles anymore. Absolutely. Right. Well, we're about out of time. My other big question is what are folks going to find when they go to your highcaliberhistory.com? So you will find there uh, a sampling of uh, of my work. Uh, there's links to more than a hundred historic pieces that I've written and have been posted online. Uh, there's also blog posts uh, with exclusive content. I do a thing called Trivia Tuesdays, and so there will be new trivia tidbits each week. And then there's also links to all my different social media accounts so that you, you can follow High Caliber History, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, and it's very easy. It's just highcaliberhistory.com. Very cool. And, you know, if somebody's sitting at home right now anywhere across the country and they say, so I've got this firearm that my grandpa left me. I can tell it's a gun, but I don't know anything else about it. Could they reach out to highcaliberhistory.com and kind of lean into your knowledge? Can you help them with that sort of thing? More than happy to do it. That's, uh, That's why I have an incredibly heavy library sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 
highcaliberhistory at gmail.com is the email address. Um, you can certainly contact me directly that way, or you can reach out through the website, highcaliberhistory.com. Um, be more than happy to help anyone figure out and learn more about their family history and their arms history. Very Logan, good. I really appreciate you being here today. And if you want to come to Phoenix, I'll adopt you and your family. <laughs> you can stay with us. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, I pre- really appreciate the time, Dan and Cheryl. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. It's uh, it's just great talking to life like-minded folks. Same. Thank you so much. Keep up all the awesome work, and we will definitely be chatting with you again soon. We are with Logan Matesh of HighCaliberHistory.com. Bye-bye, Logan. Bye-bye. Have a good one. You too. All right, stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's commentary right after this. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. And we're back. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. For straight shooting, look to the biggest little gun shop in the West, azfirearms.com, where they have everything you need to be a safe and responsible gun owner. Huge selection and a friendly and knowledgeable staff. They're my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours, too. And when you go, tell them old Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com. The biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I shook it up a little I, a bit because Dan is over here mocking me. And uh, I'm not mo- you're mocking me. No, you're mocking me. No, you're mocking me. No, you're me. mocking me. You're mocking me. <laughs> <laughs> mock, 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 mock. And then uh, Ed, we don't even want to. Yeah, mocker. You're such a mocker. Anyway. So yes, we are both. We are your nationwide hometown gun shop, and. <laughs> Oh, it's not often I, I get a belly laugh out of Ed, but it just happened. Uh, we are also the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And now is the time of the show that I love. It is time to celebrate the ordinary, everyday heroes who are responsibly armed citizens. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. 
Responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense. And 200,000 times a year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on the network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. So in the wee early hours of the morning, what are you usually doing? Sleeping? Just getting up for work? Possibly just coming in from working the night shift? Whatever it is you're doing, do you have safety in mind? Have you secured an emergency plan and rehearsed it with the people who share your home? Do you have a reliable house alarm that will alert a central dispatch station? Or are you like far too many of us who slip into a state of complacency once we're home? After all, our homes are our sanctuary from the craziness of the world, right? Well, Danger is actually counting on us having that attitude. And danger is looking for the advantages that level of relaxed diligence offers to give him the element of shock and surprise. And danger recently attempted to use that advantage by recruiting four of his minions to orchestrate a home invasion in Florida. Bursting through the front door, these five intruders had violent plans for the man living alone at the address they chose. Fortunately, we will never fully know what they had in mind for this man because he stopped danger in his tracks and sent the other four running into the darkness outside because this homeowner was prepared and because he is a responsibly armed citizen. In Jacksonville, Florida, a homeowner was defending himself during an armed robbery in his St. Augustine home. One of the intruders, 24-year-old Paul Pettigrew, died in the shooting on Cohen Road. The other intruders, four men between the ages of 18 and 21, are now in custody, charged with first-degree murder because the shooting death happened during the commission of a felony. St. Johns County Sheriff's Office Commander Chuck Mulligan says the homeowner has not been charged with any crime and the investigation is ongoing. The four suspects are identified as Christopher Pettigrew, who is the brother of the deceased, Zared Matthews, Jeffrey Balcom, and Xavier Williams. In addition to the felony murder charge, all four suspects are charged with attempted robbery. When the search for the suspects began, deputies say when they were responding to reports of gunfire, a white vehicle was spotted fleeing the scene. Deputies say four individuals got out and tried to flee on foot. Two ended up being caught by patrol deputies. As the search continued for the remaining two, Klein says the sheriff's office used every available resource as part of the search. We had deputies that have suffered heat exhaustion during the search. We've got deputies that are being treated at Flagler Hospital as we speak, says Klein. But in the end, Klein says it was a citizen tip that led to the capture of the remaining two individuals. The fact that someone had the courage to see something and say something and pick up the phone, make the call to the St. John's County Sheriff's Office, we are able to end this thing, says Klein. So we're going to do a home invasion in a state, in a city that allows people to carry firearms? Yeah, that wasn't real smart. Not, not real <laughs> smart, no. Yeah, and... That, this is one of those stories that, to me, when, when there's people out there saying, you know, uh, you magazine capacity limits, you know, what do you need 
more than 10 rounds in your firearm for, you crazy person? Well, you don't know how many people are going to come smashing through your front door at, you know, oh, dark 30 in the morning. Right. And what's going to happen, you know, from there? So I, I don't know what this particular armed citizen, uh, responsible armed citizen, uh, had at his disposal, but it's something to keep in mind when you're trying to legislate things that can affect people's abilities to save their own lives and put danger you know stop danger immediately so they don't continue on their merry and bloody path right and i learned an interesting fact this week talking to a doctor Mm -hmm. at chicago at the grpc and he told me that do you know that most people that get shot Mm -hmm. survive Mm -hmm. most people yeah i caught that that was interesting so you know, you think about it. If you got five guys coming in your house mm-hmm. and you only have 10 rounds, mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. You are going to be in trouble. Yeah, how often does the first round stop, especially right. if somebody's on drugs? Drugs, yes. Some people get shot five or six times and they still come at you. It's crazy. I remember a story back when I was a kid where a hardware store, where a guy owned a hardware store and a man walked in and started beating him. He shot, the owner of the store shot him five times in the stomach with a 25 auto. And the man that was shot still strangled and killed him. Crazy. Yeah, and that story's hit me all the way. I remember that happened when I was 10. So that's about um, having the right caliber, you know, the right tool, and also not having limits right. on your magazine Right, capacity. which I don't re- recommend a 25 auto, but that still, that exactly. still hits me hard. All right, and now yeah. it is time for Dan's. Commentary. Tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. Well, Cheryl and I have been married for 33 years. We have a we had a house on the lake, a dream home. It had an association, and we thought, well, you know, this is good to keep the neighborhood nice and clean. Well. One day I was working out in my um, out front yard on my truck. I had changed a spark plug, so I had the hood open. And some people walked by and said, hey, you can't be working on your truck. This is an association. You can't do it. So I said, okay, kind of tucked my tail in and went back in the house. Then later, a few months later, I started making jewelry in my garage. I had a complete lab, very clean and making jewelry. And my daughter happened to have the garage door open and people saw that I had my cabinets in there and I was doing work and they go, hey, you can't make jewelry. You can't do that. Your garage is only for your car and nothing else. So I kind of sold everything and closed the garage, put the car back in and whatever. So then we had a 40-foot dock. This was approved by our prior association and by the city and we had this 40-foot dock on the lake. It was beautiful. We entertained on it. Teeny little cute sailboat. Oh yeah, and it was just... (laughs) Really, and one day we we got a letter from the association saying, uh, "You can't have that dock; it's too long." And this is the width of our yard, not link, not sticking out. And we go, "Well, we've got proof; we're not going to get rid of the dock." They find us fifty dollars a day for over a year. Indeed fifty dollars a day. Well, they tried. Well, we kept. We said, "Well, when you're ready to go to court, let us know, and we'll meet you at the office." And after a year and about a half, they finally came in and said, could we talk to you about your dock? And they actually settled with us by putting two planters, one at each end of the dock. <laughs> That's all we had to do. I know. And they waived uh, all the fees. They couldn't and, just say, you know what, we were completely wrong in this situation. Right. They, they, they had, had to, to win. Yeah. 
They had to win. It's the dumbest waste of everybody's time. So we decided, okay, we moved. We moved to a place that didn't have an association. So now for the past 10 or so years, we feel free and we feel like we control our life and everything is great. And you ask why I bring this up. Why are we talking about houses and control and all that? Well, I look at that as with the uh, rights restrictors. Mm -hmm. They are constantly trying to tell us how to live, taking our rights away from us, telling us we can't have firearms. And, you know, there's no place for me to go. I am not going to move away from this country. You're going to have a fight if you try to take away our firearms and our rights. Well, I don't know what more I could say about that. It's absolutely true. I mean, too many people, I think, do kind of roll over and say, you know, well, okay, whatever. How big of a deal is it that I have a dock or not a dock? You know, how big of a deal is it that I can work in my garage or not work in my garage? You know, I guess I could just take the truck over to the shop and have them work on it instead of doing being a do-it-yourselfer. I do think too many people are, are rolling over and doing that. And I don't think that, you know, you shouldn't change your engine in front of your yard. Right. But, you know, just putting spark plugs on or doing a tune-up, something that's not leaking oil, things like that. Right. Absolutely. We need more do-it-yourselfers right. in, in uh, you know, passing that legacy along. Although all the modern cars, I think it's all computer now, so you but, need a but computer One of the degree. points is we live, in an we live in a place that doesn't have an association. place has been there since 1970. It's beautiful. It's well-organized. Neighbors take Invest care of neighbors. in those areas. I go back to where I used to live, and you look at the association over there. And it's gone downhill. Absolutely. Well, we got to wrap up. Thank you so much to our tech crew, our listeners, and our guests. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them. All of them, Dan. Even the ones you don't like. No. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Our founding fathers. Here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. <laughs>